welcome to There Are Other Ways, conversations about living life a little differently. This is a podcast for people keen to explore less well-trodden paths in life. I'm Fiona Barrows, a business mentor who helps creators make their online businesses work. Hello again. Um, And in good news, I actually have a voice. Uh, So we're off to a better start than last week. This week's conversation is with Nicholas Lawson, a journalist who writes a newsletter called The Single Supplement, which is a weekly letter dedicated to the experience of being single. I can't tell you how much I appreciate her writing it and how much I get from seeing the things I struggle with, take joy in and think about, written about in such a nuanced and dedicated way. I will be honest, when I listened back to this conversation to edit it, etc., I realised just how much I focused it on the downsides of being single, and that wasn't necessarily intentional. This year has been a particularly tough one to be single through, and we both talk about our experiences of it during the conversation. I often think coronavirus and lockdown has been something of a magnifying glass to many of our lives and has exaggerated the things that we were struggling with before, but perhaps had found ways to mitigate and deal with. But many of those ways have been taken from us this year, and I think this is reflected in the conversation. It's a very honest one, and while I obviously hope that anyone who is single listening finds comfort comfort and solidarity in it, I also hope that those of you who are coupled up will listen as well. Anyway, let's get to it. Great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how are you today? I'm uh, I'm good actually. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was woke up this morning thinking that we were going to get some really bad news about lockdown measures, um, and they're not as bad as I thought. So uh, I'm feeling better than I was this morning. <laughs> yeah, we should. I feel. I feel. <laughs> I feel like this is. We should say this is on the. We're calling this on the 22nd of September, um, because yeah. I've got a feeling that there's probably going to be more measures announced at some point. <laughs> yes, that's true. And Thank so then true. it will be. And then they'll be like, "What? Why are they saying it wasn't that bad?" Like. <laughs> That's so true. Um, tomorrow we'll be told that it's full lockdown again. So uh, I mean, you, know, you just you just don't know, do you? It's um, it's a it's been a bit of a weird sort of twenty four forty hours. So I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. And there's just been so much conflicting information um, from friends on WhatsApp, <laughs> as well as like you know stuff on Twitter. It's uh, yeah, it's been a bit stressful. Yeah, it's. I find I find the sort of, I, and I remember this from back in sort of March, April, the, the sort of anticipation of the, mm. of the changes worse than the actual changes because everyone starts sort of talking about what they could be and hypothesizing and, yeah. and actually it's just I just wish that they would just sort of come out straight and say, you know, off the bat this is what it's going to be, um, yeah. because mm-hmm. yeah, you just end up getting a bit anxious. Yeah, exactly. I was almost relieved when Boris came on TV on the 23rd of March, was it, and said, um, yeah, you all have to stay at home. I was like, yeah, I was advice I can understand and follow. And <laughs> yeah. back when it was clear, <laughs> like, oh, it's bad. OK, it's really bad, but they've got a plan. So it does make you feel a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I remember being really relieved as well, because it was such a sort of everyone was saying we should be locking down. We should be locking down. It wasn't happening. Um, and and yeah, as you say, the clarity made things a lot easier because there wasn't this horrible decision-making during lockdown. I actually found it a lot like mentally a bit easier because you couldn't meet up with anyone. Mm. Yeah, it's so, out your hands. <laughs> yeah, whereas now it sort of feels like 
I don't know, it's just sort of like, it's just, it's a making of the decisions that I find really difficult and navigating that with other people as well. Mm, definitely. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, we um, should we get started. Um, so if anyone who hasn't come across you online, I just want to introduce yourself and say a little bit about um, who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Nicola Slauson. I'm a freelance journalist. I write mainly for the national press, um, especially write for The Guardian um, and also other publications like The Evening Standard and Positive News, uh, The Eye newspaper and many more I could, I could go on. Um, and alongside that, I am also a writer. So I'm working on two books. Um, <laughs> I haven't actually found that much time to, to work on them. Should probably just concentrate on one. Um, and I also am the founder of The Single Supplement, which is a newsletter, which is all about the single experience. Um, and it's mainly aimed at single women. Um, although I do have some men who follow me. Um, yeah, so that's me. <laughs> ah, um, so it's the single supplement that I sort of wanted to focus on today mm. because that's sort of how I came across um, you originally. Um, so why did you decide to start to start writing it? Um, I'd been single for quite a while at that point. I think um, it was like six or seven years. And... I'd been through so many different stages of, of how I felt about being single, including feeling totally miserable and awful about it. Um, and I'd sort of come out the other side and was really enjoying my life and felt like quite fulfilled. I had like a really great job that I loved um, and I had great friends and I did nice things. And when I read things about being single in magazines and newspapers um, and even on films or in fiction, it was always, single people were always portrayed in, in just one way, that they were miserable and desperate. Um, and I also felt that a lot of the articles I read were really patronizing mm -hmm. and they also focused on dating. Um, and it just didn't really relate to my life. Um, and, and so I was getting increasingly frustrated <laughs> about this. Um, and then I was leaving HuffPost to go freelance last year and the lifestyle desk uh, had heard me rant about being the only single person in my friendship group and how annoying it could be. <laughs> so they asked me to write a article about it and I, I said, no, I can't do that. I wouldn't have any friends left um, kind of thing. And then eventually I decided to write it, but I think I wrote it in a much more emotional and like vulnerable way than they had been expecting. Um, so it wasn't so much as a rant about my friends so much as talking about myself, which made it easier to share with my friends when, mm. I, when it was published. Um, and I had such an amazing reaction to that. I actually had people emailing me um, and sending me messages on social media, telling me their whole life story. Um, and a, quite a few people who I had no idea that they had been single for a length of period, like quite a long time, or they'd experienced it too. Just colleagues and, you know, people you sort of come across through work. Um, and it really took me by surprise the reaction and I'd been thinking about starting a newsletter because at the time I was a news reporter and I was trying to um, be more of a feature writer and write more creatively and I, I sort of saw having a newsletter as a way to sort of pivot away from um, just writing about the news which can be quite depressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> and, um, and so I'd been sort of 
toying with the idea of starting a newsletter as as a way to um yeah just to have an outlet for my writing um because when you're a news journalist you have to take yourself completely out of the equation and um it's not very creative it's quite formulaic um so when i got such a good reaction to the the single article uh i was like right that's it and i just did it on a whim i just announced on twitter and set it up on substack and so there was no going back because i'd already announced it and so i just didn't think about it that much i just thought i'll just give it a go um and then the first one went out um it was the 4th of october which is my birthday so it's coming up uh, the anniversary um and yes yeah, it's, it's been amazing since then so <laughs> um and the the timing was quite good because it was not long after you set it up was it emma watson who made a comment about self part was it self-partnering she said that was her phrase um, yeah it was sort perfect of- timing um i think i'd set it up um i'd announced that i was doing it in september i sent out the first one in october and then i think she made her comments in the, the november and i'd already especially because i'm a journalist i know a lot of journalists so I'd already, um, other journalists knew about the newsletter kind of thing. So mm. when Emma Watson made her comments, I got a commission uh, to write about it for Metro. I got interviewed for Huff Post, and I'd actually already been interviewed for The Guardian about a big feature they were doing about single positivity. Um, but then they um, quickly edited it to include Emma Watson's comments. <laughs> and so it ended up being this really big, uh, feature that took off. I know it took off because more than a thousand people um, signed up to my newsletter overnight. Um, I think I was probably one of them because I think that's how I found you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went from having a couple of hundred who were sort of mainly friends or acquaintances or friends of friends to suddenly, um, yeah, loads of strangers. Um, and I'm talking really honestly and openly about my life. Um, it was it was uh it was great though I loved it I was like oh now I've I've got this um proper sort of following because then it's just snowballed from there it, mm. it makes me um it's like I can't let my readers down so I have to even when I'm really tired and I can't be bothered to write I it's it's it really helps with creativity to be forced to do something and have that accountability so I have to publish on a Sunday because that's what I've said I'd do so um so it's been brilliant for me in terms of writing and creativity um but also it's been amazing to connect with so many awesome single people um like yourself (laughs) um who I wouldn't have otherwise met otherwise and 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 it is all about sort of finding your tribe and it's so cool to meet so many people who feel really similar to me um I get so many messages like oh this this like feels like you've been inside my brain and this is exactly how I feel or some people challenge me and they're like oh I don't feel like this how about you know considering this perspective and it's really interesting so um Mm -hmm. Yeah. And who knew that you could spend a whole year writing about being single and still not be short of topics. But I, 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 every week I'm like, I could write about any number of things and I have to choose. Um, that's actually usually the hardest thing, especially if I'm tired. Cause I'm like, Oh, which one's the best one. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I save uh, topics cause I know that something's coming up um, that will sort of coincide well with it. So yeah, it's been a, been a exciting journey. Um, and also, I think that it's, um, 
I mean, I like to say that it's down to me, but it's probably not down to me at all. But I have noticed that there's been a lot more commissioning on single issues since yeah. I've raised, raised this issue as a, as a problem. Because um, I am quite vocal about it. Um, uh, and I do know a lot of commissioning editors who follow me. So I like to think I've had an influence. I don't know if it's me. It could be Emma Watson. Um, more likely to be Emma Watson, actually. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I have noticed. And then sometimes I'll get into, you know, I've been interviewed by all loads of places. Women's Health, um, most recently Sunday Times. So it's quite... Um, it's quite interesting for me because I'm a journalist, but I'm also now kind of a spokesperson <laughs> for single people. Well, we're very, we're very pleased to have you. Like, <laughs> but I think, funny, I think if you'd have told me that I was going to shout about being single, even a year and a half ago, I would have said you're crazy. Cause I used to be really ashamed about it. I would never have, I always used to try and hide how long it'd been that I've been single. Mm. And now here I am like, basically shouting from the rooftops <laughs> but I think and I think going back to what you said about you know about you Emma Watson I think I think there has been a general movement that you are definitely a part of towards there being more of a conversation about what it is what it's like to be single mm. um and do, do you know do you do you have any ideas about why that is like why it has sort of kind of gained momentum I guess in the last um in the last sort of year or so yeah, I think um, I've been, I have been thinking about this and I wonder whether um, it's just part of this sort of, I guess, wave of, I don't know what wave of fem feminism we're in, but it's post Me Too, um, yeah. post the gender pay gap and all the scandal of like finding out that you actually earn £10,000 less than a colleague, which actually happened to me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's wow. kind of like in this period of like... Um, because I've, I've written recently about um, women and money and there's, mm. there's a similar thing going on there with um, women actually talking a lot more about money, being open about debt, talking about investment uh, and pensions and things that we never would have talked about before. Um, that it's really important to talk about because there's so many um, problems there with, you know, the, even the pension gap. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, so I kind of think it's part of all of that. It's kind of part of this wave of um of people realizing that um that there are other ways to live maybe and that the old ways don't serve them um i don't know maybe i'm being i need to get a researcher on board to see whether i'm just making this up but <laughs> it does feel like people are thinking actually you know why do we have to um you know force ourselves to settle for someone just so we can get married and I think mm. people are rejecting the sort of fairy tale that we're sold um and maybe it's an age thing as well because the older you get you're kind of more accepting of of well less um when you're younger you sort of think oh by the time I'm 30 I'll do x y and z and when you're older you realize that life doesn't go the way you think it's going to go mm. <laughs> you have to roll with the punches um but yeah I don't know what what do you think <laughs> I don't know I think you're right about it being linked to feminism because I think ultimately it's feminism is about being able to choose what you want mm. then being single is one of those choices um but I don't know I I, 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 I don't know 
either except it's probably becoming a more and more common experience I mean I can't remember I'm sure I've read stats that you know more and more women and men are single in their 30s than at any other point yeah previously um and I guess I guess there was just a sort of feeling of sort of you know of if you're you know when you sort of feel like you're being positioned in the margins and that your experience isn't the one that's sort of being talked about eventually there's a sort of actually no you know a sort of a frustration there and then a sort of you know and that's when when it becomes a lot more vocal yeah definitely yeah that that makes sense as well definitely and there's so many stereotypes about being single yes I think that when more and more people are single and they're financially independent they live good lives um then there's a lot of people like me sitting around going hang on a minute I don't fit that stereotype um and this is what I've told that I should feel or act or, ha- you know, how I should behave as a single person. And that's not really fitting with my life. Um, maybe there's another way. And mm. then you start to look around for other people who are feeling like you. Um, and I think that's the beauty of the, the single supplement is there are lots of people that feel exactly the same way um, as I do, which is great. I actually um, did a survey recently and I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but it was so high, the number of people who um, are happy being single, but wouldn't mind finding a partner in the future. Mm. Um, yeah. That was the top by far. I mean, it was something like 87% or something oh, like that. Wow. I can't remember exactly, but um, so I was like, that's it. I found that's the, the sort of, they're my people. <laughs> they're the people I'm writing for. Yeah, because I think, I think that when you, you know, I think that what was missing was that sort of nuance around the topic. It was sort of, you said that there was sort of the, the sort of stereotype of sort of being desperately single and really unhappy. I think Mm. there was that. And then I think the other one was sort of either career woman or just very, you know, not, not bothered at all. Very, very happy being single. And I think I felt a bit sort of trapped between the two that it wasn't, my experience wasn't, it wasn't that I never wanted to meet anyone and it's still not, but equally I'm not sort of sitting at home every night crying into a tub of Ben and Jerry's with a bottle of wine. Um, you know, that didn't, that's not true either. Um, and I think what I, what I like about your newsletter is that you, is the nuance in that you do talk about the difficult side of being single and the things you're struggling with, but also the positives as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the, you sort of summed it up really well um because there are quite a lot of vocal readers of the the single supplement who are who are really happy being single and they never ever want to get with anyone and they hate any mention of dating or any mention of like eventually wanting a partner and they will tell me by email um so when I did the survey and I asked that question I was always like holding my breath like what am I going to get here and then Mm. I was really surprised that actually most people feel most people who sign up to the newsletter do feel how I feel they, they just might not be as as vocal as mm. the other, other ones but it's uh, interesting because you mentioned earlier you mentioned the phrase um single positivity yeah sort of as a movement I was thinking about this the other day I was thinking I wonder whether it's sort of like the body positivity movement that it started out being body positivity but ended up being sort of body neutrality or that's sort yeah. of where it's going now and I wonder whether it's the same thing Yes, that we don't have to be positive about being single it's just that it's it doesn't have to sort of affect our sense of self-worth I guess I love that I think 
yeah, I think you could be right because I wrote the um, my this article for the Metro about Emma Watson, and I was mm. like, it's great that she's saying she's saying this, and yeah, why can't we be more? Po-? And it was very single positivity kind of article. And then after it came out, I kind of had a crisis of confidence because I was like, hang on, is that what I actually think? Because the Huff Post article I wrote was basically <laughs> the opposite, although. It was, um, there was nuance because I was saying it's re- it can be really hard, but actually it's also liberating mm. to be simple. Um, so yeah, I was thinking, do I really think this about um, single positivity? And, and ultimately, I, I think that um, it's a bit like the body positivity thing. It's like what it means for you personally. And for me, it's, it's that it's actually okay to be single and you can live a happy life. Um, and I think somebody emailed um, perfectly saying that it was, you, you can be happy and single, not necessarily happily single. Mm. Know, I think I read that in your newsletter. I remember nodding yeah. to that. Yeah, so I feel like I'm happy and single. Um, and then sometimes I feel happily single. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I feel not so happily single and would like to uh, find a partner like at the beginning of the pandemic when I was like, damn, I should have got one of those husband things. So <laughs> <laughs> they would have come in really handy right now. Um, so yeah, I always I think- have it when there's something really practical to do around the house. I just remember <laughs> having like a proper, like again, I'm quite, I, you know, most of the time, very happily single and then I think I had an incident where like my freezer drawer got stuck and jammed wow. and I couldn't get it open I just had a proper meltdown I, just I had like, one when I couldn't do up my this dress um like I couldn't no I couldn't undo it or something like that I can't remember I got stuck in it I just think all those people who design these dresses obviously have um a partner who can undo yeah. it because it's impossible was it? I can't remember what I was, I was trying to do now, but um, I know that I was twisting myself and I got really hot and bothered. And I was yep. just thinking, you know what? <laughs> this, this is one of those situations where it would be really handy to have somebody around. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's because it's because the dress was made with the sort of like the sexy, like doing the zip up and doing the zip down by a guy in mind. Um, <laughs> it just that's what that's what they were thinking about when they made that dress they weren't expect you know when you're slightly tipsy coming home and you can't quite your bend your bend your arm the right way yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah I should start a campaign about that actually um clothes <laughs> easier to put on a single <laughs> but yeah because I think that I, I think personally what I find hard is, is it's it's not sometimes the being single but it's the being single in a world where everyone else mm-hmm. seems or feels like they're coupled up yeah definitely um and even down to the name of the new, the newsletter that's about the fact that if you want to go on holiday in a hotel you have to pay extra if you're mm. on your own <laughs> so I still like I still can't get my head around it's like re- and that's really annoying um and yeah, I've just been thinking about it lately because I've been, you know, obviously we've got the pandemic um, and I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to go on holiday at some point, but, you know, um, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> it's it's yeah. difficult because I try I- my household. <laughs> I mean, I've been on holiday a lot by myself, so it's not it's not that I wouldn't. It's just sometimes you just want to go away with other people. Um, and I just wonder when that's going to happen again. Um, mm. Yeah. It's um, but it is, and it's true. Like you know, traveling, sing, traveling. Because I 
travel by myself and traveling single is is just a lot more expensive um, I mean I think just being single is a lot more expensive but the scenario again going back to traveling I was thinking about is I think I had a run of where I'd get single rooms and I had a run of them and obviously these were um very sort of you know um, very cheap sort of guest houses but there was a run where they didn't where the single rooms didn't have windows and I was like single people deserve sunlight as well <laughs> oh god that's so sad that's really annoying I was just like why are there no windows in the single rooms like is it that we like aren't meant to see out yeah well no one's allowed to see you in there by yourself and feel sorry for you of course um too distressing for the couple people (laughs) coupled up people yeah because I think that's one of the things I think you've written about very well about the sort of the financial implication of being single and then also I think and I messaged you about the news that you wrote about the sort of the mental load as well yeah yeah I've been thinking loads about that actually um I might have to revisit that topic at some point because um because it I think it really did resonate with people look I look sorry I got a lot of messages um off the back of that one um where people some people were like I haven't even thought about it like that but you're right Mm. um and, and yeah, sort of more things have occurred to me since living on my own. Because I think I wrote that um, just before I was about to move mm. out. Um, and yeah, now I'm living on my own. Um, and it's different from when I lived on my own in London because um, I'm sort of responsible for this whole house. <laughs> and it's a lot of responsibility. Um, it's not just the cleaning and tidying. It's like maintaining stuff. Um <laughs> you know, it's just a lot, a lot to do. There's a lot of house admin as well. Um, you know, that you would share with a partner. Um, and yeah, TV licenses, you only get 20, no, council tax. But yeah. Council, council tax, tax is 25%. Yeah. And TV license, you have to pay the full whack. Doesn't yeah. matter if single. Um, which I only realized cause I was trying to, um, look how to apply for the single discount and there wasn't one. Um, <sighs> So yeah, and then obviously I'm paying for uh, bills, but then if you want Netflix and Amazon and, you know, all these subscriptions, usually you just split that with whoever you're living with. Um, And so, yeah, it's really expensive to live on your own, basically. Um, (laughs) Oh dear. Yeah, Uh, it it is. The other way, but still. um, But yeah, sometimes I think, oh, it would be good to have, a partner uh, to share this but it's not just the cost um like i said it's the burden of having to remember everything yourself mm. and um and if something goes wrong um being able to discuss that with somebody um who's as invested as you it you are in it being fixed for example um so you know just a few things around the house i've had to go to the lettings agent and some some things you know they're not going to do, they're not going to fix. <laughs> I'm just going to have to put up with it or change it myself. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, being on top of all of the life admin, plus all of the cooking and the washing up. Um, and it sounds kind of like, oh, it's not that bad. Um, but, but you know, I speak to my friends and they will not go and take the, like, the rubbish out, for example. That's their husband's job. Mm. Um, and I think, well, I have to do it every time. <laughs> And actually, I quite like taking the rubbish out because it feels very cleansing. So for me, that actually isn't, it's not necessarily about the job split. It's just 
when you're not in the mood to do something it would be good to share the burden and share the mental load um of remembering to do stuff or um yeah it's just a lot on top of the job as well um now I'm like a full um advocate for like the four day week <laughs> I need a day just to sort my house out <laughs> um yeah, I think I think it's and I think it's something that's not spoken about because I think in the newsletter you wrote about this, you said how there's so much talk about the mental load split between partners um, and how women end up taking the you know the lion's share, but it's just not spoken about when you're single and actually all of that, um, you know, falls on you. And as you said about you know your friend saying about taking the bins out, I, you know, just cooking and washing up for yourself, you know, all the time. Planning the meals and buying the right ingredients. So I love cooking, but, you know, trying to plan what I'm going to eat that week. And it's a lot, it's a lot of work. And Mm. yeah, I read these articles um, and that, you know, I fully, you know, agree that it's, 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 it's not on that like women are still the ones who end up doing a lot of, a lot of the actual jobs around the house and stuff. Um, But yeah, they never mention it's like it's almost as like they've forgotten that single people exist oh it doesn't fit our narrative so we won't mention it um but on top of doing all of the stuff in the house you also have to be the one solely responsible for paying your bills and paying your rent um you can't just say to your boyfriend oh you know I'm especially as I'm freelance you know I'm having a dry month this month could Mm. you you know help me out and then next month I'll you know there's none of that you have to pay all your bills all your rent everything yourself it's all on your shoulders um and actually I didn't even really think about that 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 load on me until I was talking to my married friend about how amazing she is at budgeting and I was like oh I think you're amazing blah 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 and she was like yeah but you you're doing it all yourself Mm. so so she was like I think you're amazing, you know, because you're having to do it all yourself, pay all your bills yourself. You've got no leeway or no flexibility with with that at all. And I was like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> like I just hadn't hadn't even crossed my mind that actually that's that's something that I do. And actually, I wrote one of my early newsletters about money because um, I forgot to pay my rent, which was <laughs> awkward. But it was it wasn't that bad because my landlord actually didn't notice. Um, <laughs> and it was only a few days late. Um, and, and I was, I was talking about this and I had a great email from somebody who said that they uh, were a single mom. They used to be married and they'd been, you know, really struggling with having to do it all themselves and, you know, doing all the paperwork, um, you know, remembering everything. Mm. Um, and then they'd read my newsletter and they thought, oh, you know what? I've, I've been doing amazing. And she was like, I feel so proud of myself today. And I was like, yes, <laughs> we should be proud of ourselves. Like no one gives us credit for this. We've got to give our, ourselves credit. <laughs> yeah, I think you're completely right. And I, um, you know, like my work is with sort of creative business owners. And I have been thinking recently about how, you know, I think the sort of setting up your own business sort of community mm. creative business community is very weighted to people in relationships because I think a lot of people rely on a partner pulling a um a, a wage a full-time wage a, you know having a secure income for the first sort of you know year or so of doing it and they're able to do that because mm. you know they're able to take that risk because they have that backup yeah 
And I, um, I've got several friends who are writers um, and I want to write a book. And two of my friends have said um, to me, they couldn't have done it without their husbands um, bankrolling them basically while, yeah. they, while they wrote it because book advances these days are really low mm. um, and often you have to write the whole thing anyway before you get a book deal and and you know that's something that if you're a creative person or you're an artist or yeah like me you're a writer um, you know we don't have um, sort of patrons of the arts anymore or, or bene- you know some rich person who likes to fund young artists <laughs> anymore mm-hmm. um and and so things are so you're only going to get a narrow um bunch of people getting their work out there because mm-hmm. is that people just can't afford it um and i don't know how the people who are single and have kids also manage to do this um because you know sometimes you do see people have started businesses themselves but yeah usually they've started business themselves but they don't sort of mention that actually they had some financial help because they've got a husband who's got a really steady good job um yeah so it does really hinder your creativity and as a freelance journalist um especially when the economy is going badly because it really affects journalism because yeah, uh, it relies on advertising and businesses don't want to advertise when they're tightening their belts and so um it it makes me not able to come up with ideas when i'm feeling stressed about money um and, and that's how i'm feeling at the moment because uh next month i don't know exactly where the money to pay my rent's going to come in um and if i was if I wasn't worried about that, I know I'd be more creative and I'd coming mm. up with ideas and I'd be pushing myself to do more ambitious stuff and take risks. And I think when you're single and you live alone, um, it's, it is harder to take risks. I think. Um, yeah. I feel, like I feel that definitely like I've, you know, I've, I'm in quite a good place with my business in the sense of like, I have enough ongoing clients that, you know, and it's taken me a long time to get to this place that, you know, that the basics are covered, but that it makes me very hesitant to, you know, to take the risks that I see other people taking, because as you say, there's, you know, there's no one to fall back on. And, and I mean, to be fair, and to be completely honest, in my part, you know, I have at times relied on my parents, but I had, I felt so much shame about that. Um, you know, having to call up and say, I'm really struggling. Yeah. And I think that there's a shame in taking, and I felt so much shame about it and taking money from my parents. When I think about all the people who are relying on their partners, it's just that the shame is, I, I personally felt the shame was more because it was a parent rather than a partner. But in reality, it's a similar sort of thing. Yeah, you're right. And um, and it comes back to something I've said before as well about feeling like a grown up kid. Yeah. Like you have grown up and when you have to go to your parents and, and I had it when I retrained as a journalist, um, I went through a period of being really, really skint. Um, I had to have like a hardship uh, grant thing at the university uh, I was technically homeless for a while. I was sofa surfing because I couldn't afford rent. Um, and and yeah, I had to call up my mum and dad who were really not well off at all and <laughs> ask them, you know, just for a tenner to buy some groceries. Um, you know, little things like that I would have to do. Um, and yeah, I felt like, yeah, re- a lot of shame as well. Um, and And also I felt like, 
I was still a kid, like having to go mm. and get money. Um, and it happened all the time. I was like, you know, constantly calling them up, like, can you put £10 in? And I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but even outside of money, I feel that there is something about, I feel that, I feel that as well. That sometimes I'm not as adult as my friends who are in relationships. And I'm not really yeah. sure where it comes from. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so weird that feeling like now I feel a bit more adult because I have um, this house to look after, even though it's not my own. I know that I will also feel a little bit more adult when I own a home. Mm-hmm. And when I get a pet, I'm hoping to get a cat. I know I'll feel a little bit more adult again, but, <laughs> but there's something about um, society, the way society expects you to have a marriage, a house, a good job and a kid uh, or two. Um, that that's like, the that's what you do when you're an adult Mm. and so I think that maybe it's coming from that it's like in your head or because we've been reading books and watching films our whole lives which have said that is adulthood it looks like this it's this perfect picture of two people um you know kids a dog (laughs) a house a garden a job um Mm. and when you don't reach that it can feel like um yeah, you're not quite an adult. And I think in my 20s, I spent a lot of it uh, living abroad and traveling. Um, And my friends, I mean, I would joke as well, I'd call myself Peter Pan. Um, I wasn't going to grow up um, because they were all like trying to get, you know, get on the career ladder like properly. And I changed my career like three times in my 20s. (laughs) So in in many ways, I'm like, I feel a bit behind in quite a lot of respects, not just the fact I'm single. Um, But sometimes I'm like, maybe that's why I'm, why I am single because they all stayed home um, and sort of met people and everyone coupled off. And while I was gallivanting around the world, (laughs) I came back and I was like, oh everyone settled down but obviously that's not actually what happened because some of those couples broke up some people went abroad later in life you know um some people restarted you know had brand new careers in their 30s um but it's just like these horrible things you sort of tell yourself about um why you know when I'm having a low moment about it I'll just Mm. beat myself up for decisions that I've made when actually you know that's total rubbish because for example I lived in South Korea for a year and I know at least I'm going to say five but I think it's probably more couples who got married after meeting in South Korea so you know it's not that oh I lived in South Korea so therefore I'm going to be single (laughs) you know what I mean it's but you tell yourself these things and I think it is based on like society pressures and stigma and stories that we've been told since we were little so yeah that's my sort of start, a little bit of a rant there sorry <laughs> no no it's and I, I sort of want to come back to it, but I do just want to make a point about going back to the sort of the kid thing and tying it into what we said earlier about how it's all on us when you live alone to do everything and I think that actually what's so weird about that is that we think that we're less adult but actually you know there's no one else paying my rent my council tax ordering you know doing all of that stuff and I know plenty of coupled up friends who don't do half of it who leave all the bill paying and all of that stuff which we do think of as sort of like adult stuff to their other half Uh, so I don't really like that face to their partner and actually so actually when you think about it there's something very adult about 
do you do I make sense do you see what no, I mean totally. yeah we're standing we're standing on our own two feet and we have to do everything um so yeah it's very adult to have all of that responsibility on our shoulders mm. um yeah um, definitely but yeah, but what you were saying about the sort of the, I guess we've sort of spoken a lot about sort of the practical side of things, but there's also the sort of emotional side, which is, I think, where I struggle because obviously the practical side of things does get me down quite a bit sometimes, um, you know, particularly as, as I've said, you know, in their moments, but it is more the sort of, as you said, the sort of the beating yourself up and the questioning and the why and that I find that is that is difficult yeah it is it it is difficult and I'm even though I've got the newsletter and people do sort of see me as um I don't know somebody who's got it sorted (laughs) um I was recently called the poster girl for for being single, which I found amusing. Um, but I, I still have, you know, low moments. And and also in the last, I think I've been single seven years now, uh, or maybe it's longer now. Um, and I've been, it's been a roller coaster. You know, at first I decided I was basically taking myself off the market and I was going to just be single because I just kept getting with ridiculously disastrous uh get getting into disastrous relationships um so at first it was like a conscious decision um and then there was like a real low point where I I really didn't want to be single and I couldn't not be single (laughs) couldn't make myself not be single um and then yeah then I sort of started to feel really comfortable and happy in my own skin and yeah was doing loads of really good stuff I felt much better more secure in life I guess um so yeah it's not like I've only been happy to be single this entire time and it's not like even in a day um you know there's always you know low moments where you sometimes think about it or your mind lets you you know if you're having a really bad day um it's nice to just have someone to moan at oh dear sometimes I think like what do I is that what I want a partner for <laughs> Cause well, I always say it I'm like wouldn't it be nice to have somebody to moan at the end of the day <laughs> and obviously I moan to my friends but um but it's not the same is it um no because they've got their own lives and their own things going on um and you know you don't want to be a burden like oh you have to listen to me moaning um and yeah I just think that you know it's it can be really hard and it can be hard for personal reasons like you do actually want to partner or it can be hard because society or friends family um sort of say things or make you feel things or just the way things are set up like you said that can Mm. be hard as well so yeah yeah and I think it's I I mean personally I'm you know I'm I struggle with the society pressure pressure more than I do the personal pressure I think because I I realized something the other day I was like I never really feel single or sad about being single when I'm on my own in my flat it's always when I'm sort of out and I'm around Mm. other people that I actually that it tends to get to me that that it tends to get to me yeah whereas I think you sort of imagine that it'd be the other way Um, (laughs) but I think that's because there's that sort of you know you're yeah it's a sort of it's a society pressure coming through 
and then and the fact that you sort of um well i i i also compare myself a lot and mm. uh, comparison is the the thief of joy as they say um but it's also like i don't know about you but i also sometimes find when like there's lo- like logistics like organizing stuff for example um like i always feel a bit awkward like um i don't know if they're organizing i don't know a wedding example and there's like an odd number you know these little things you might someone might not draw it to attention or someone might do um and you know this rule of six thing obviously like it makes sense for three couples to meet up be like the awkward person like on their own like hi (laughs) um so yeah I think that sometimes there's situations in life like because everything is everything is designed for two people so mm. <laughs> um so yeah it just it does remind you when you go out of the house when you're in that house you can just uh enjoy yourself relax and um <laughs> do all the nice single things that, that people with kids and husbands actually really secretly feel jealous about so yeah. it's um it's interesting you mentioned the rule of six thing because I, sometimes i feel and maybe we can get onto this but there's because we both now live I don't know where would you say you live in the country you you live in a town right I live in a town yeah um but it's a rural county so there's no city in this county um this is like the biggest place here (laughs) um and I I, yeah I I live um I live close to town but I I also live close to the countryside so yeah that's a similar it's a similar sort of set up to me than I guess because I'm sort of in a small town um in Somerset um but I think because one thing that I think's quite what I where I've struggled is the the sort of the narrative and what most people do is they they're, they're single in the city and then they meet someone normally you know most of my friends are in London and then they move out after that um and they move out as a couple um and you know where where I live is very coupley. There's you know it's not not entirely by any means, but it you know the at least the, sort of the people I I met at the beginning when I first moved here, and the people who I naturally connected with were all in couples. So a lot of my friends are in couples, and mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing because you know I have no desire to live in London anymore. Um, you know I came back from traveling, I didn't want to go back there, but you sort of feel a bit out, like you're sort of like going against the grain a bit by moving somewhere not as a as a as a pair yes this I mean this was probably why I stayed in London as long as I did I actually never Mm. intended to live in London longer than just to retrain as a journalist um I thought I was going to go abroad again but that didn't happen um uh and yeah I put off making the decision because in my head I thought I would meet somebody and move persuade them to move back to my home county <laughs> which I was <laughs> moving back to and and that was just what got stuck in my head and I thought that that was what I should do um and then I decided right that's it I'm just going to do it because I I really want to do it so why am mm. I you know putting off something that because I might meet somebody but that might not actually happen mm. and um and why should my life be on hold waiting for this imaginary person who probably wouldn't even want to move to Shropshire so (laughs) if I want to move to Shropshire then I should just do it and then worry about the problem afterwards but having said that it is much easier to be single in London um Mm. I think uh there's just so much going on 
um, you can have a really active, busy social life in the week. Um, whereas in my hometown, obviously there's a lot less going on, but it's also, like you said, it's a very coupley place. Um, most people have been with their partners or husbands for, for you know, at least a decade or more. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, my friends did go to uni, some of them, um, but then they moved straight back um, and then they sort of settled down with people. Um, and it is totally different. Yeah, it's just totally different. And uh, I'm still sort of getting used to it because I've been back since March, but obviously we've had mm. the whole lockdown. Um, so I'm sort of still finding my feet a little bit. Um, the night out, the one night out I've had since, uh, since this whole thing happened was with, um, two couples. Um, I mean, I'm really lucky that, that my friends here, even though they are in relationships, most of them, um, they're not coupley couples. Um, they're really, really not at all. Um, then there's no like, annoying PDA you know public displays of reflection they're really they don't they they're just not coupley couples and so I actually I don't mind going out with just couples here at all whereas some of my friends in London when they got um, boyfriends it was just really irritating to go out with them it's a honeymoon phase though it's when people get into relationships and they just yeah the first the first sort of year or so I remember sitting in my friend's um, living room and she was just like lying on top of her boyfriend and just ignoring me. And I was just sitting in the corner like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like, hello, can you see that I'm here? Um, you invited me round. <laughs> so Did you invite me round to watch? <laughs> yeah, it's like, great. Really glad that I came. And then she's like, take a photo of me and whatever. Oh. And I was like, oh God. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, my friends here are just not coupley. Um, they're in happy relationships, I should add. But maybe it's because they've been together forever. Uh, but also they're that kind of people. They're, they're just more, um, they all have friends who are both female and male. They're not, I don't know. They're just, um, they're quite relaxed, I think. That's, that is the beauty of this group of friends here. So I don't mind so much. But having said that, it still would be lovely to have more friends here who are either single or just not, um, who are just more up for like spontaneous fun or just like, yeah, you having a bad day. Do you fancy going for coffee or a glass of wine? Um, or I want to go paddleboarding, for example, on the river. Uh, um, I, I will mm. go on my own. It's fine because it's um, like a class. But that's a kind of fun, nice, random thing to do. Whereas if you've got friends who've got kids, you've obviously got to make pl- plans around them. There's a lot more, um, a lot more pre-planning and a lot less spontaneity. Um, and also, it's just nice to have friends who get you. And and so um, yeah, I am hoping. To, <laughs> what I what I would normally do when I move to a place is is go on this sort of frenzy of joining everything. Yeah. Um, and just like yeah trying different things joining clubs and all sorts um and seeing what happens um but that is somewhat difficult during a pandemic so um I'm sort of getting to being not just living alone because I I did have a flat on my own in London but I was like inside my landlord's house it's kind of a strange situation and there was another flat directly next to mine so um I was on my own but I also wasn't on my own Mm. Um, and so 
yeah, it's, it's getting used to that and it's, it's getting used to being back in my hometown um, and still realising that actually you still need to have your tribe and you need to find people who are up for doing the kind of stuff you are or up for like listening to you moan about not being able to put your dress on properly or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's an adjustment, and I don't know. Like I'll have to see how it goes, but um, but yeah, I think it definitely would be easy if there wasn't this whole uh, coronavirus thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, as I said to you before we started recording, like living alone out of a pandemic is very different to living alone during a pandemic. Um, mm. You know, it has put a bit of a, it has, it's made you know, it's made it's made things, um, yeah, very difficult but you because you were um living with your parents during the, the I feel like I'm gonna say the last lockdown like there's definitely another one coming but yeah. <laughs> um yeah I I basically because I've been planning to move back to my hometown like later in the year although I kept putting it off because I've been saying that for the last like three years but I told people right I'm gonna move back this year um and I sort of realized I was feeling so anxious. Um, my anxiety was like off the chart and I, I've ha- I had really bad mental health. Um, I had really bad depression when I lived alone in Berlin. And so I, was, I felt really isolated when I was there. And so I was thinking, right, I can't let that happen again. So, um, and also I lived in quite a stressful situation um my landlord and her son like would have screaming matches every other day um and sometimes would yell up to my flat to like get me involved um and the police were called and all sorts um I just thought those two are going to kill each other (laughs) I don't want to be around to listen to it and um and also I've got asthma and obviously it was bad in London uh, where mm. Shropshire it wasn't as bad so I decided to move back and I literally decided on the Tuesday and moved on the Sunday um, wow. so I packed up my entire flat by myself um, and the removal guy actually let me in his van because normally you have to travel separately but he let me in his van he drove me home <laughs> uh, I call him my like, knight in shining, shining armour because he rescued me because everyone was telling me there was going to be military lockdown in London. I, would I, forgot, I forgot about that. I forgot about the, um, weren't there like, um, like rumours of like a, a cir- I remember rumours of like a circle of um, tanks on the edge of London. Yes. yes I was yes. told, honestly, the amount of people who called me and then they were like, someone I know is high up in the military and they've said it's definitely happening. And I heard that over and over again. And I was, at one point, my friend was going to get her husband who had a big van for his job to come and get me in London and I would stay for a few nights outside of London so that I could get picked up from there um just to get me out before the Friday which just went and I just had this like panic attack basically and I was like I can't go I'm not ready um and then it was fine but um but yeah so I ended up back being age 35 and living with my parents (laughs) which was not something I expected to happen in life but you know and and before I would have said there's no way I will be able to survive living with my parents um but actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it was actually quite nice to the point when I when I moved out it was actually quite sad (laughs) even even though I've been looking forward to it um so if we do have another lockdown and I'll be I will be on my own here but I feel much better about it because this house is so much nicer um mm. yeah I feel like I feel in much better headspace as well um 
and it's also partly you've done it before um and also yeah it's just having a nice house that you feel like is your own i've made it really nice um I think that makes a big difference. It does, doesn't it? And I've yeah. got friends around the corner, so worst comes to the worst, at least I can like go and wave at them, you know, from their doorstep. Mm. Um, which was actually one of the hard things about living with my parents because they do live in a really rural village um, and I don't drive. So I was literally trapped there. I mean, <laughs> the first time yeah. I got to uh, Tesco, I was so excited. <laughs> and it wasn't just because like the lockdown, it was also because I haven't seen anyone. <laughs> just so, um, so yeah, uh, I actually put lipstick on and everything. Um, <laughs> I was jumping around the house. Um, so yeah, it's different. Just go to Tesco's, yeah. <laughs> I live near town so at least I can go for walks and I'll see people even though you know I don't yeah. know what's going to happen but I feel much like I feel differently about it and I feel mm. like better able to cope being on my own and I think that that's just one of those things like it depends how you're feeling so I do get a lot of emails from people like do you think I should move out um and it's just a, such a personal mm. um decision and it also depends where you're going to move to um so yeah yeah because uh, I I had a similar sort of I mean I didn't I didn't give it I didn't think about it seriously but I I did also think about going to my parents but at the time they were um renting somewhere down in Dorset they've only just moved into um their new they were sort of between um houses um and so they were renting and so I thought not um so I didn't I didn't go and I did you know I did stay on my own but it was um it was again it was and it was and it was and it was fine and I'm not you know I think it's I, th- I think it's really difficult talking about your um like experience of lockdown because I feel like there's sort of like the lo- lockdown olympics where everyone sort of you have to yes. be very careful because everyone sort of says that they had it harder and it's and obviously like I cannot imagine doing lockdown in a tiny flat with a couple of kids and you know there were people who had it a, a, an awful lot worse than I did um but then sometimes that means that you then can't talk. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of, you feel like you can't sort of then say, because I think one of the things that really got to me and that I didn't see, I think there were a couple of articles I saw about it, but I didn't see mentioned very much was the lack of physical contact because mm. I literally didn't touch another human being for about four months, I think. Wow. Which is crazy. Like, and, and I didn't expect that to get to me, but it really, it really did. Um, mm. And they introduced sort of towards the end, they introduced support bubbles, um, which I think is a re- which I think was a really good idea and was a massive lifeline for a lot of people. But at the time, I remember there sort of being lots of grumbles in sort of like group yeah. WhatsApps about like, oh, you can hug your mum, but I can't. I was like, well, yes, but you can hug your husband. Yeah, so, like, I saw all over Twitter um people saying yeah oh well why why single people getting special treatment and yeah they get to go and see them why can't I and and it's like are you listening to yourselves because I, <laughs> I mean I I almost you know this is so embarrassing to admit but like I all I had the the thought crossed my mind when I was like shall I move home and live with my parents that maybe I should stay on my own because it was more like in keeping with the single cup supplement and I'd be more able to empathize I think like I literally thought like oh god maybe it's like bad for me to like run away from my parents and ultimately I have to do what's best for myself but um but actually I think it did help me being there because and I I was better able to I think like hold space for other people because the Facebook group completely exploded 
um, during lockdown. And at the time I was running weekly Zoom chats for people to hang out, which people oh, said cool. were like a lifeline. And I think that if I'd have been struggling myself, I wouldn't have been able yeah. to do things for other people. Um, so, so yeah, I think, and, and even living with my parents, like obviously I did, I could hug them if I wanted to. Um, mm. uh, and also they got a puppy, which I have to say was like the best thing ever. Um, and yeah, I just highly recommend that to anyone else. <laughs> get a pet. Um, I, oh, I wish I could get a, I wish I could get a dog uh, because I'm in rented flat. Oh, I can't. No, um, one day, one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were definitely downsides to living with my parents. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it wasn't there. There was, there was one huge row, actually. My dad actually oh, told no. me to leave. And I was like, where am I going to go? <laughs> it's the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I said to my mum, dad's kicked me out she was like what and I was like yeah I've got to go even though I can't move because we're in the middle of <laughs> so there were struggles um <laughs> but uh but yeah you just had to you just had to yeah people just survive it's weird mm. it? I, I don't think there was any sort of ideal lockdown scenario like everyone everyone had their struggles and everyone just kind of had to muddle through as best as yeah. could. and I think we still are all having to muddle through as best we can yeah um, definitely definitely because you know it is yeah it's it's ongoing sadly hopefully, hopefully this time um I think there is more awareness now about the impact on people's mental health and so it yeah. does seem like the government are taking that into consideration and so I hope that for single people this time um they will keep the support bubble option as well at least if they that... do on lockdown route because it, it was a, it was really frustrating to hear announcement after announcement where they didn't take into consideration they were like mm. you can go for a walk with your household um well because my sister's was living alone but well is my sister just supposed to yeah take herself for a walk and talk to herself like that's yeah. you know you can go into restaurants in your household i mean yeah, they just didn't <laughs> take into consideration that's that actually there's something like i don't know eight million people who live alone mm. uh, i'm probably quoting the wrong quote but there's a lot of people who live alone yeah. and who just didn't fit at all with any of the even there's also women uh single mothers and yeah. some of the guidance um you know is is assuming that you could leave your kids at home with a partner or a husband um and that's not that wasn't the case yeah it was it was when they sort of said when supermarkets were like just one adult is allowed in but it's like if you're a single parent yeah there was one supermarket that said like literally one person and it's like my friend uh, is a single mum with four kids and she was like (laughs) right okay we just won't eat then so um yeah there was like a such a lack of consideration and that's what sort of drives me on as like with my newsletter and what I'm doing Mm. is I feel like I'm helping bang the drum for the 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 people just not taking into consideration that actually um not everyone in life there isn't like a cookie cutter for for everyone's lives and we all fit in it um, and it's about time that people recognise that that's actually another way to live. Um, and that, you know, as policymakers, they should be kept taking that into consideration and trying to help everyone, not just, yeah, people with 2.4 children. Exactly. 
Um, I've just I've just looked at the time and realised we've been chatting for quite a while. Um, so we should probably um, start to wrap up. I'm going to change the question that I normally ask um, because I always say what's been what's the hardest and best thing about living life a little differently. But what's the specifically to this conversation? What's the hardest thing for you about being single? Um, oh, do you know the hardest thing for me is that I want to be a mum um and so it's it's such a hard thing because I feel quite happy in my life um but as a woman being in her mid-30s you do have um, a body clock ticking time bomb and I hate that for me as a woman I have to take that into consideration and I have to sort of think of a plan because otherwise it won't happen um whereas men can just (laughs) keep going you know they could be like oh, I'm gonna stay single for the next you know four or five years and they'd probably be fine still mm-hmm. have children um and that's definitely the hardest thing for me because if I was feeling more miserable about being single um then I would I would probably try and put myself out there and try and find a partner with more urgency because mm. I, w- I wouldn't you know I wouldn't want to be on my own but actually I've, I've have such a nice life that I'm almost scared of getting a partner because I don't want to like um rock the boat and break the equilibrium <laughs> um but at the same yeah, time I, exactly I, what want you mean. A, I want a child so um so yeah it's really hard I think that's de- that's by far the hardest actually mm-hmm. I mean the, the social stigma and all of that is is difficult but I almost feel like um it sort of energizes me to try and change things whereas biology biology is something you can't really change <laughs> very annoying <laughs> i mean i mean that yeah that's a whole other part of the conversation which we didn't really touch on um okay. um about having kids and it is and yeah i completely empathize with you about that um and so and what's the best thing for you uh oh the best thing is um i i find it um I think I would have said that I find it liberating before, but actually I think what I I'm actually find the best is that I feel so proud of myself for standing on my own two feet. Um, and yeah, it's really raised my confidence being single. Um, mm. And it's made me realize what I want in life and actually made me like listen to myself more. Um, I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle at the moment and she talks a lot about um, how women, especially girls, we're sort of taught not to listen to what we actually want um, and to look around and see what everyone else is doing and to not trust your gut. And I think the best thing for me about being single is that I've learned to really understand myself and what I want. Um, Mm. And that's really cool. I'm really proud of myself. be like this <laughs> I was not like this at all before <laughs> but I think it's a good point because I think that when you're in a relationship there is always another voice there sort of saying what they want and I think it is a lot harder to figure out what you want um mm. when you are in a partner and I think that you know when you have that sort of space it is it is that little bit easier yeah definitely mm. and it, it, it does make me feel really proud of myself um yeah if I just think back to how I was in my early 20s um with guys and just not telling them that I wasn't happy about something or yeah um, just being a doormat I hate that phrase but um 
but yeah, I just, I didn't have the confidence. Um, and it's not just about relationships. It's also about, you know, my career and everything. Um, it has really, yeah, improved my confidence and made me realize what I really want. Um, so yeah, it's good. <laughs> it can be really good. <laughs> I know I feel that's a nice positive note to end on because um, I do think we maybe got quite you know we were talking a lot about the about the downsides of um, of being single but as you said there's um there's definitely upsides to it as well there really um, are there are loads actually yes <laughs> um, so Nicola thank you so much for your time today um, and for talking I could have I could have kept talking to you for hours um, I know <laughs> it's just so nice to um to talk about this stuff with someone who really gets it I think yes um, yeah and I think about it all the time. So I've constantly got things to say about the subject. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> giving me the opportunity to talk even more about it. <laughs> no, and thank, thank you for writing the single supplement, honestly. Um, it's one of, the, one of the newsletters I look forward to the most. Oh, that's so nice. If you'd like to subscribe to The Single Supplement like I do, then you can do so at thesinglesupplement.substack.com or via Nicola's Instagram, which is at Nicola underscore Slauson. I will be back next Monday with another conversation about living life a little differently. So please do listen then. In the meantime, I'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast and perhaps follow me over on Instagram as well. I'm at F Barrows. If you have any thoughts on this interview or the podcast in general, then please do send me an email. You can find my address on my website, www.fionabarrows.com. Thank you again so much for listening. Take care.